On this week's Bet the Process podcast, we'll be talking about Rufus's fashion choices as they pertain to Burning Man. We will also be talking a lot about the word upset and what it means to be upset or what it means to be angry or what it means to be just unhappy with the world. And we'll also be talking about gambling Twitter like we always do. And finally, we're going to try to have the definitive decision on whether we do sharper tout this year. So with that, let's start the process. Bet the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Welcome to the podcast. Bet the process. It's not that typical cookie cutter nonsense. If you came just for picks, you're in the wrong place. Find a talent with the narrative to make a strong case. Instead of blindly assuming a team must be tanking, we're looking for the edge of Massey Peabody rankings. Crunching all the numbers in a simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage and sports gambling is Welcome to the. Burning Man episode of the Bet the Process podcast where Rufus, I don't know what Rufus is doing. Rufus is finding his inner, his inner youth. What, like, what's the motivation for going to Burning Man? So I, I've had friends that go every year and first of I, all, that's a lie. You don't have friends. Second of all, okay. move on. Well, if I Acquaintances, did, fair, people fair. that are just trying to get people that are just trying to get picks for me, free picks, free yeah. picks. Acquaintanceship has its perks. <laughs> <laughs> they get your leftovers after you've moved the lines. Exactly. Mm-hmm. No, so it's it's always been a bad week though because it's the beginning of the football season. But this year, we have some friends in Boston who who go and they had extra tickets, and I was just like, why not? And so, do you guys have a camp or what's your deal? Like, you have what's what's the premise behind your camp? We are with a camp. It's uh, it's based in New Orleans, and I'm told that they there's a lot of people that like to cook and cook well. So I'm excited about that. That is we, exciting. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot of preparation. I got to say most of which has not been done by me. Uh, I will be the first to admit that my girlfriend so you're has basically done Freddy so much. Freeloader. Sorry. You're Freddie freeloader. Well, I'm hope, I mean, I'm going to be pitching in. Well, once I, once I'm away from work, I'll be able to actually focus on helping people and things like that and pitching in and doing my share. I hope. You're going to be pitching a tent, so to speak? Well, something called a shift pod. It's like, it's like a commercialized tent where, where they say, hey, it's like great for Burning Man and charged like you know, $800 more than they would otherwise. Yeah, I mean, Burning Man is like the week for me that Burning Man happens is amazing because San Francisco is empty. You can park there and like- It probably smells the, better too, right? Well, just all like the tech bros that you're about to hang out with like so burning man used to be like very much about the arts i think and very much about but there's so many tech bros that go now so well, maybe Jeff, you try to pitch them on your new data idea I, I love that you're saying this as someone like who hasn't actually ever gone and so the people that i know that go every year say yeah there are some tech bros but it's basically the same thing for the it's most the part thing, meaning the like it hasn't changed no it hasn't changed and dramatically it's still the same I, they, core they would be the and, only people that i've ever heard say that burning man has not changed over the last 10 well, years of course it's changed but everything changes you know the i think the the world the changes. art it's is a lot hotter now apparently uh, yeah although who knows why that is let's not get into politics here That's did you know point. that trump's going to burning man this year i didn't know that i don't think yeah. he is no he is i'm ready for your joke no, I'm Finish serious. It. Like, go on Twitter. He's going to Burning Man. No, he isn't. He, go, you want to bet me? Let's bet right now. He's going to Burning Man. That's like the whole ultimate in it jumping the shark. You're just trying to get me to go on Twitter during a <laughs> podcast. 
There's the nothing that would surprise me more. Bet, like right away, sight unseen was oh. unbelievable. It got you a little. The yeah, idea the of Trump at Burning Man sounds amazing. What, what do you think he would, do you think he would dress up similarly to how you dress up? Uh, probably not. I think he would, I don't think he would dress up at all. <laughs> you think he'd wear a blue suit with a red tie, which is kind of like the presidential look that he goes for? He'd walk around and just try be like, ah, yes, you know. <laughs> so tell me how uh, how betting has been going for you. I bet you've been prepping for football. Did you did you bet any college football futures or any pro football futures yet? The pro football futures were done back in July and June, and okay. even a little in May. So a while back, college football there isn't really. Wait, as much what did you market. get down on? How come you didn't tell us anything you got down on? Well, so the stuff I got down on was was before I even did my model. So it's stuff that that my partner and I. I mean, we kind of like thought, stuff that was so obvious. You were like, "Oh, we'll just bet this." Basically, I mean, I, it's more than that, but but I'm not going to go into detail on that. You're um, not going to tell us anything. Trade you secrets. Bet? I'll tell you. I bet like the Cleveland Browns under. Well, Here, that's do, you, obvious, do you want me to pull right? up my pull up the bets I made? Yeah, of course. I'll pull them up. Okay, Rom. This is to a win the FedEx betting. Cup. Wait, oh, that's different. Um, yeah, you gave me Rom and Rose last night or this morning, and I was super excited until both of them shot above par today. I didn't give you Casey. Oh my God, this is like classic. I gave you, but no, I I gave you my entire. I gave you all the. I gave you that's every true. player's odds. You did. You send me your spreadsheet. I can't complain this time. Yeah. Okay. Because um, I, I had Casey. No, you gave me Rom, Rose, and Woodland, and then you gave me your spreadsheet. So I like looked up some of the numbers. Did some of the conversions, did some math shit. I mean, I didn't bet very much. I'm just trying to have some entertainment value on this. Yeah. This golfing, golfing thing that's happening. Okay, so it looks like Lions over, Jaguars under, Giants over, Rams under, Browns under, Cardinals over, Dolphins over, Chiefs under. I mean, so I, it's a lot of. It's a lot. Like it's it's all about the numbers, though. It's it's not me saying it's, that this yeah, is a good bet I, overall. I mean, it's the numbers are very different can, than they were in May. I think I we can these. deconstruct what you're doing there. I mean, it's it's I not think. that hard to see. I mean, generally, I think teams that were good last year and or and or are no, it's like classic know, been crowned the next like, great team. You know, the process team, whatever it is. You know, those teams tend to be overrated. I think. It, you know, it's the whole. I mean, if you bet. I, I don't know how is it, what it that, is now. Was there an article about, about Caden and Thaler in the process? Yeah, there was. Oh, yeah. I saw that. I didn't read it. I actually like read. So one of the things I want to talk about is your letter to Kenny White that you put up on Twitter. Um, the one that's like the haiku that you put up. <laughs> so I don't know why, about that. Why, why, why did you format it like that? <laughs> Well, Why you know, you fix that before you put it up on Twitter. It's like impossible to read because of that. Well, it's some web archive, email archive thing. They format those things weirdly. But you know. can't, you couldn't cut and paste it before you put it on. No, oh, that's way one too of the much work. Social media platforms in the world, you couldn't take the time to actually make it look a little bit nicer. No, I couldn't. Why? I, I left it on the reader to, you know, assume see, that they could still like, read. That's kind of like the interesting thing. So I was having this conversation, and so. We're going to kind of go all, go all over the place, but one of the other things I did want to talk about was this whole concept of what an upset is or an upset, upset or an upset, an upset. I'm pretty upset. <laughs> so Craig Calcaterra, and I sent this to you, he basically made a big point and he's like this, you know, well, pretty well-known baseball writer. That, NBC? Uh, what's that? Is he like NBC Sports or something? I mean, he's. I've been in like some fantasy leagues with him. I think randomly, 
because I've seen his name before. I bet it's an. I bet he always says it's an upset when he doesn't win. <laughs> no, because well, so okay. Let let's go through this because this is kind of interesting, and the reason it's interesting is maybe not that the classic way. So he tweeted out. And this is after, so what did you think about the Tigers? What did you think about the amount of scrutiny or the amount of attention that that Tigers win got in the general public? I mean, it was a lot because they were a big underdog, right? I think it was, it sort of, it was this Vegas was wrong or, you know, this unlikely story. But I mean, I think we both know that baseball games tend to be more random than other sports. And so, you know, you don't really see a lot of big money lines. You know, you have plus 450 teams winning like most weeks of the NFL season, it seems like, and definitely plus 450 like underdogs winning every week in college football. So, I mean, it seemed like it got a lot of attention to me. I wasn't... So they, were, so they were like... they So, you know, like uh, our friend Preston had sent out that he, he liked them or that he bet them at like plus 450 or something like that. And I didn't have the heart to tell him that, you know, I had bet them overnight at plus 380, which seemed like really amazing value at the time. Uh, anyway, so... Yeah, you don't expect it to go higher than plus 400. I mean... Yeah, I mean, it's I thought 380 game. was great value. I thought for sure, like it would, you know, but I've talked to some people that had it. I think Preston told me he priced it at like plus 360 or something like that. So he only bet it when it steamed. But so he agreed you got value at plus 380 then. True. So then it, then it steamed to, I think it might have closed. Like I heard that on Bovada, it closed at like minus 700. <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, and you know, people are betting it. At Bovada at minus 700. Yeah, that's why it can close at minus 700. So, uh, Craig Calcutta, so what happened is for those of you guys who aren't paying attention, somehow the Tigers managed to win with two hits that both were home runs. Wait, they won with two hits? I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was, they only had two hits. That was like one of the, one of the most amazing. So, that's definitely an upset. Well, Winning with two hits is an upset. Anyway, continue. How about losing with one hit? Is that an upset? <laughs> losing with, no. How about if you have one hit and lose, you should lose. <laughs> okay, let's go over this now. Yeah, they had two hits. Houston had six hits, and their two runs were home runs by Ronnie Rodriguez and John Hicks. I didn't even know those were baseball players. You knew those were baseball I, players. Definitely not the first guy. John Hicks, you know. John Hicks no. has been in the league a little while. He's, He's like the a second random guy. Yeah, right. Robert Robinson Chirinos hit the home run for Oak for Houston. He's a catcher. Okay, let's finish this. So this morning I noted that the term upset in quotations has very different connotations in gambling than it does in general sports commentary to point out that while the Tigers win was an upset with regard to betting lines, it was not as no single game can be in a general sports analysis sense. You'll not be shocked if you have experience with gambling Twitter to learn that gambling Twitter takes issue with this. To gambling Twitter, everything is about gambling, and apparently to say upset, the other team is exclusively a gambling concept. They're lovely. As I said this morning, it was absolutely an upset in terms of gambling that the Tigers beat the Astros. No one who knows a thing about baseball, however, would ever characterize the outcome of a single regular season game as an upset in the broader sense that that term is used. Okay. So and he obviously took a lot of flack from gambling Twitter as he well, expected to. Yeah. I mean, he, I mean, generally like, so, so the, 
this this idea that gambling Twitter is a pain in the ass is generally true, right? Because the reason that they're a pain in the ass is because they they and this is something that I find pretty interesting, right? What is the if you wanted to change like create a philosophy around analytics, what would that philosophy like how would you how would you summarize the ethos of that philosophy? Be process oriented. Okay, process oriented is data driven and process oriented probably. Well, I would even take it one step further. I would say that a philosophy would be that little things make a difference. Because I, yeah. like at the core analytics is about small edges, right? And if you think about blackjack the way we played, like card counting, people always ask like, you know, what was your edge, all this kind of stuff. And they're surprised to know that our edge was so small, right? Our edge was one and a half, two percent at the most kind of thing over the, the long haul. And even that's probably pretty aggressive. So edges are small. But over time, if you get enough of those edges and you have enough money, you will make money over the long haul because you have a small EV. So I think that people that like analytics and people that gamble using analytics are conditioned to believe that little things matter. And so that when someone has a small mistake or a small nuance or something they overlook, it bothers gambling Twitter because their ethos or their, their sort of philosophy is that little things make a difference. And so for Craig to just kind of gloss over that, because ultimately what they care about in this case is that upset has a real definition, right? In the pretend world, you can just pretend that narratives, and that's a thing about writers, right? Writers search for narratives all the time because that's what drives stories, right? So an upset is a narrative, right? An upset is not necessarily something that can be quantified. But that's bullshit, right? Because an upset can very much be quantified. It's when, you know, an unlikely, what you sent me a definition of, of an upset from the dictionary, yeah. right? Yeah, it says an unexpected result or situation, especially in a sports competition. So I guess, what does unexpected mean? If I think Craig was arguing that unexpe- not, no one game outcome is an unexpected situation during a baseball season. But, you know, we know that probabilistically that was unexpected. But in a way, you could, you could say, well, it depends on what your threshold is there, right? I mean, it's, it's in the range. I think he was saying it's in the bounds of normalcy, whereas gambling people are sort of said, no, this is unexpected. It was not likely to happen. Um, the numbers said it was unexpected. Right. So I think that we would side, and by your definition, we would certainly side with gambling Twitter, where we believe that that was definitely an un- unexpected result. Was it like, was the, and, and so it's interesting because ultimately, like you started this off by saying, or, or before you we even on air, that like any individual baseball game has a lot of randomness attached to it, right? So, I mean, does that mean that almost without question, you should bet every underdog over plus 400 blindly? You know, there haven't been that many underdogs over plus 400, but no, I wouldn't say. I, I would not have a hard and fast rule. But I know like you're that. not really betting baseball anymore, but I'm assuming that if that, had, if that game had come across your radar when you were betting baseball, you would have, you would have bet it. Probably. So it's, it's almost, I mean, does that mean that he's more correct than he's wrong? Because essentially what we're saying is that those games and the individual baseball game is more of a coin flip than certainly uh, – a plus 300 number would indicate? Well, I think we can say he's probably more sharp than the average Bovada customer <laughs> based on his philosophy. Right. Yeah. Well, I think the, I think the main problem is that he can make it, 
the, the argument that he was trying to make actually has like a teeny bit of merit to it. It does. But the way that he was making it by using the word upset and then, you know, attacking. So this is like the classic shit that's going on in our country right now, right? Like no one can actually have like a conversation about differing viewpoints because everyone's just dismissive of the other viewpoint. And the viewpoint here is that, you know, maybe there is a correct way to quantify and, and maybe he should understand that like, maybe he's fundamentally saying that those numbers, those odds are, are incorrect from a gambling. I mean, that's essentially what he's saying that those gamb- those numbers are incorrect. Right? Yeah. In a way. No, no, not just in a way. He's basically saying like no individual baseball game should ever really be considered that much of an upset because they're all set. They should all be sent around 50, 50. But it, but, but I mean, yeah, if there was a game that was like plus 120, he would have issue with someone calling it an upset. But yeah, yeah but I think, that doesn't mean that he would think that there's value betting plus 120. He might think, I think he thinks that just because a team has a 60% chance of winning a game and they lose, that's not an upset. I think that was his point. He, no, I think that he's, yeah. I mean, I think he's basically saying that like any individual outcome is not so unlikely that it should be lumped into the same level of of you know of upsetness or whatever you would call it as like the u.s beating russia in the olympics or something i mean think about this though like let's say you know let's say somebody hits a home run right um let's say robinson chirinos or or one of those other players you don't remember their names do you john hicks and the guy didn't know so what are the odds of of that player hitting a home run at that event yeah what are the odds of, of of ronnie hitting a home run in a given at bat. In any it's a huge underdog. Bat, what huge are the shot. odds of him? Probably. Like, I've never heard of him, but I'm guessing it's probably like 2%. I mean, I think the average home run rate's higher this year, but I don't, I don't know. Is he a power hitter? What, I don't even know. No, he's he a plays. middle infielder. Okay. So yeah, 2% sounds reasonable then. Um, yeah. Especially, and it gets the Astros. But, you know, okay. So even lower. So, so, but I'm saying you can pick any individual thing and say, hey, that was an upset. Literally any. You could say that a strikeout, oh, that was an upset on that at bat. Like a walk, that's an upset, right? I mean, it's, it's, but those are all unlikely events, and you could but he, classify but again, them as but upsets. That's not, that's so so the, the, the issue is with him arguing about the word, which, you know, words have meanings, and for him to change the, the meaning of the word to what he wants it to be is really like the absurd part. Well, I think he's just saying unexpected. He has a different definition of unexpected result. He thinks that it, 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 it's not 50-50. It's just within the bounds of normal, you know, normalcy. And, and well, normalcy here, is it, that, that's what, not normal I, for baseball, here, by the way. That was not a normal result for a baseball game, but it, but in the grand, I mean, because it was so, you know, I mean, it, it's not normal for a team to be that big of a favorite, right? I mean, we know like has has there been a bigger underdog that's won in a while? Well, he, no. yes, pretty, uh, yes, not okay. bigger, not bigger, but close to as big. Okay, the Astros lost two weeks, a week and a half ago, or a week ago to, to the Orioles, and is pretty close to the same line. Right. Okay, but, but a bad team beating a good team is not unusual. No, but can we just let me just finish yeah. with this thing? So. Here's the thing. I bet we could find an event, okay, that had similar odds from a betting perspective, and he would have claimed that that was an upset. Do you think it would be because of the profile of the event? So okay, let's, if, let's, if it was a Super Bowl, you know, 
let's say how about this? How about this? Super Bowl? I bet that he probably thinks that the um, Warriors losing the finals this year was an upset. And the series probably. line on that was yeah. certainly a lot less than the series line in this. In this. We should ask. Or, or wait, what about the Giants beating the Patriots in the Super Bowl? Well, which one? That right? money right. line was much bigger though, right? Mm, I don't think so. Which one? The 18 and one year? Yeah, I still think it wasn't. I mean, because you have the whole Super Bowl middle opportunity. Well, that line was 13 public. and a half. Yeah, but it's the Super Bowl. Okay. People love betting the underdog in the you're, money line. So. Irregardless, irregardless of this. Oh, I like it. I, I can see Rufus and I can see his like eyes roll when I say irregardless. It just makes me so happy. Uh, so we're saying the same thing that he probably would, you know, it's not consistent, right? He should basically, or, or again, the big thing he's saying as this, you know, very knowledgeable baseball writer is that anytime you see a plus 200 or better underdog, you should bet on the underdog in baseball. See, I don't think that's what he's saying. We disagree on that, but I think he's saying that maybe we should get him on and see what he says. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on from this because we're gonna we're arguing like something that we both basically feel like the same way on. I think they'll probably be like, "Well, is it really a podcast?" I'm gonna say that this is not a podcast because I don't know. Insert reason. If a tree falls in the woods and no one's there to hear it, does it really make a noise? It doesn't count as a podcast because only seven people listen. Ooh, good point. Okay. Uh, Question. Why do you think that the lines have gotten so big in baseball this year? Um, I think there are more bad teams that are, I don't want to say tanking. Why are there more bad teams? Is this just like a sort of variance kind of thing where it just so happened that this year there's a bunch of really good teams and a bunch of really bad teams and the next couple of years things will be normal? Or do you think that there's like something in, I mean, I guess if the run environment gets a little bit bigger, which it has, you have a chance for you know more disparity of scores on average, and that lends itself to bigger disparities and odds of winning. That wasn't what I was going to say. I was going to say it's more because I think you have more teams that are actually doing true rebuilds um, and following the Astros model, which because it's a copycat league and the Astros model worked. And you know, the Orioles decided to hire the Astros front office basically to try to implement that model whereas in years who did the, past who did the orioles hire i didn't even know so everyone talks about them in the analytics who did they hire do they hire they didn't hire J- uh jeff what's his name luna no 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 all, but, right? but they hired um mike Elias they hired sig? and sigma doll they got sig which is oh, huge sig is, sig sig is great very smart sig is fantastic yeah who uh, was the other person you said they hired well they're 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 gm um elias or elias i don't even know how to pronounce his name but he was he was the head of um scouting for the Astros basically. Hmm. So interesting. And, yeah, they've committed no, to that. And, awesome. and I think maybe we should get Sig on this podcast. That'd be fantastic. Maybe we should actually have him talk about what an upset is. <laughs> the Orioles winning. <laughs> maybe we should ask him, isn't it an upset? Every time the Marlins win, I want to tweet out, every time the Marlins win, an angel loses its wings or an angel gains its wings. Because I feel like every time they win, like I win. Are you including my angel costume? Oh, God. I, I can't. So if anyone hasn't seen it, this is on Twitter, uh, Rufus's Twitter feed. And it's unfortunately something I can't unsee. So I wish I could unsee it, but unfortunately I can't unsee it. But whatever. Um, yeah. 
So do, wait, do you agree with that though? Do you think that there are more teams that are, I guess, making optimal choices by real, like, you know, playing the long game? No, I don't, I don't think so because you've had bad, really bad teams before. Like the Marlins have been really bad before they've tried to be really bad before, you know, like there's, there's, there's kind of tons of that. Um, but here's, I mean, here's the point though. Like the Orioles could be better right now and without necessarily compromising yeah, I guess they would compromise the rebuilding, but I mean, they could have spent mon- money on veteran stopgap guys. But, like, because right now they have a lot of guys playing that are not in the team's future plans. Uh, but at this point, they're like, why waste the payroll on you know, on gaining two wins when it doesn't matter, right? So I think it's it's sort of money saving measures when you're going to be bad, and be able to sort of allocate that money towards being good. The, spend those $2 million on like a better scouting department rather than like, you know, um, like Adam Lind or something like that. Some veteran who's going to be better than what you have, but who still isn't going to be good enough to make you a winning team. Sure. Maybe. I don't know. We could see, I mean, run differential is pretty clear. So, but I guess like the root of the run differential is what we're kind of just describing. Right. I mean, the players would call this collusion, right? Because guys that are better aren't, I mean, I well, think, I think well, the big thing is that, like, there's you're saying that there's a lot less. I mean, I think one thing that's happening is there's definitely a lot more younger players coming up now, right? Yeah, and, and struggling, or maybe not struggling, because those the thing is those four A guys weren't good. <laughs> I mean, there's a reason that they that they were four A guys, right? Yeah, it's true. So, anywho, okay. Um, what Should about? We- what are you thinking about since, since we need to talk about Spanky on every podcast now, we do. Um, what do you think about just this general sense of, of, you know, this whole idea of all he, you know, he makes money cause he has lots of accounts kind of thing. Wait, it's kind of an, is this, the sense that because he, he makes money just because he has accounts. That's the only re- reason. Well, no, like, no, like if anybody, if, if, if someone else no, had a bunch I'm of accounts, not, they I'm would not also saying that. I don't, I don't, I don't want it's like, to make it's like it the DFS narrative that people, the people that the, the top DFS players make money just because they can enter so many tournaments. No, but he made a comment. Sense. So, so this idea that he, like some of the things that he's tweeting out about, you know, and people made fun of us for finally understanding why Spanky was divisive or whatever, or why he was, he was controversial but he has this whole tweet about, you know, like, give me your accounts and watch me make magic. And, you know, like I make all my money. He makes all his money really through betting partners and not because no one will take his bets and all this kind of stuff. It's this, this theme that he's uh, creating around himself is an interesting theme, right? Which is essentially that he knows how to make money in a situation where there are, there, there are, um, there is like many different types of markets, basically many different, many different markets, essentially. It's like, it's like if you were trading stocks and you had the ability to trade all the NYSE stocks, OTC in like many different markets and those markets weren't efficient with each other. That's how he makes money. Yeah. That's, that's a really good analogy. But that's not sustainable, right? In a true market sense, right? Well, if, like, I mean, is, but th- think about this. Think about like fla- you had Flash Boys. So think about it as he has set up systems. I mean, I don't know this. I'm speculating. Um, I've, but he's set up systems where he can be faster than people, and he can take advantage of these efficiencies better than other people. Right. 
but okay so you're saying that this does exist with high frequency traders in the financial world at scale at scale do you mean it exists at scale in the sports betting world no no in the sports betting in the in the financial world people are doing this all the time like high frequency traders because there are multiple places where people can deploy capital and they're able to then do that that way like front run and all that kind of thing that's what I was right, I mean, but is 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 high frequency trading based on being in multiple markets? No, my analogy was basically the Flash Boys. I mean, the fact that some right. high, some high, traders were able to by locating by locating their servers closer to the actual exchange were able to like beat orders and basically change the price and and you know so someone wants to buy the stock at eight dollars and sixty cents, um, you know they they get the eight sixty and then sell it to the other person for eight sixty one. How did they know? The how did they know that someone was coming in to buy it at eight sixty? Because they can. Um, I don't know. I don't remember <laughs> that part. <laughs> did you really read this book? Or I did. I did. I think we all need to go back and read Flash Boys and book. understand what high frequency trading is to understand whether Spanky has a future in the financial markets. Well, Spanky used to be in finance. I don't know if you I read that article. You know, he started like Deutsche Bank. Sure. I mean, I, what's interesting to me is that, you know, we have an exchange in the, we have exchanges in the financial markets, right? You have the New York Stock Exchange, you have NASDAQ, you have- Heard of it, you know, heard of it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And nobody, and it, it's totally accepted. People take that, you know, people bet on both sides, um, buy and sell. But we haven't, I mean, that model- you know, it does exist in the world of sports betting with Matchbook and with Betfair, but it hasn't really thrived as much. And I mean, one reason I've always said is that, you know, if you place an order on, let's say, Betfair, let, you know, you're basically a sitting duck. If the market moves, you have to be constantly monitoring it. Otherwise, you're going to be getting, you know, someone will basically be spanking you, right? They'll be spanking you. Right. Spanking. They'll, they'll, they'll be taking, they'll be... Yeah. Yeah, and you don't you just said you didn't want that. So why should a no, sportsbook no, want that? No, they but but they don't. I mean well sportsbook you're right. Sportsbooks don't. don't want to get picked off. That's the whole point of this, right? Why they don't want Spanky's action because they don't want to get picked off like that. That's a good point. But and you why did, is you that, said if you my were question on is this why is that not as much of a concern in the financial markets? No one wants to get picked off in a financial market either. Is it because generally, you know, if you put up an order, it's, you know, everything happens in seconds and fractions of a second. Wait, I don't understand what you're saying. Like people, so I'm saying, why isn't that an issue in the fight in like on, on the New York stock exchange or NASDAQ? Of course it's an issue. Like if you put an order up there, you have to watch it and you're like, you have to work it and you're watching all things and you're going to like kill it if you don't want it done anymore. Right. But it, people still do put up orders and it's a huge high liquidity market. Whereas right, but there's, because but of there's this issue, you don't diff- have the same liquidity there's, there's in the diff- sports betting true reasons, markets. Right. If someone's like a institutional trader or someone's like a, you know, a buy side, someone who they just have a price that they, it's just the same as sports betting. Like let's just say there's a price that you believe independent of the market that you want to get something down at. You're happy to leave that out there because your strategy is independent of what the market says. You're just going to know that that's a good price and you want it. Okay. It's the same. It's the same. It's the same thing. In a way it's saying there's, you know, a lot of square money in the market. 
Yeah, of course. If people of course, that are like, not price like, setting. Like, there's, like uh, if, if you're like a, you know, like a mutual fund or something, you're probably going to have like different, you know, than say, uh, you know, a hedge, a different hedge fund manager or something like that. There's going to be different motivations. Like a, a mutual fund may just be buying because they're going to try to hold this thing for years. So the price difference in a few pennies doesn't matter to them. That's a good point. I mean, it's, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, maybe we should get it's on like buying with, a house too. Right. I mean, if you're, if you're planning on holding it for 30 years, you know, if you get it, yeah, for it's exactly 32 versus the same thing as seven. So I just bought a new house. Right. And the guy that I bought the new house from had like four houses and he'd never lived in this house. And so he was doing this as a transaction and I was doing this as a house that I wanted to live in. And he was able to just kind of rake me over the coals because I had very little leverage against him, right? Where he was just like, well, just if this doesn't, if you don't buy it, I'll just end up renting it and wait or, you know, try to get a better deal. And I was like, I want to live here. So I had little leverage. And so anytime there's a market and you have different people with different motivations, certainly there's going to be inefficiencies there. And so you're saying the same thing happens in the financial markets where you have some people that are taking advantage of that and other people are saying, okay, I just want to get this Sure, down. that's the whole point of price. trading or yeah. market making, right? Like you, you're not buying things to hold them. You're buying things to make pennies, edges, back to our whole thing about making edges. That's, that's the nature of it. Yep. So, so that's did, kind by of the way, did you, did you fall in love with the house before you knew the price or were you just like, I have to live here? Is it an emotional? You reaction? know the price. It's not like you look at a house without knowing the price. Okay, fair enough. You know, so I knew what the price was. I mean, and certainly like I wished that the price was going to be less and hoped that it could be, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. So anywho, okay. So we covered that, which I think is somewhat of an interesting thing. Do you want to talk at all about tar- uh, sharp or tout? Mm-hmm. I mean, I know we're not prepared to talk about any of these people, but did did you want to do sharp or tout this coming football season? It seemed like most people wanted us to do it, but there was definitely a vocal minority as well that said, you know. There weren't very many people. There were a lot fewer people that said we shouldn't do it than I thought there would be. I actually thought a lot of people would tell us not to do it, but not there weren't very many people that said not to do it. Well, I think it was interesting people, people like touts getting called out. Is there any way we could do it in a more nuanced way? I mean, cause it seems like I mean, I it's always, the conclusion that. is always tout. Well, I mean, if you're selling picture tout at some level, but I mean, there's people that we think are tout and sharp. Like we would say that Preston at some level is tout and sharp, although he doesn't sell picks anymore, but he certainly, he gives out picks on, on ESPN and has to give out picks. So, I mean, like as a definition that if you give out a pick, you are a tout at some level. So in that, well, according to that definition, we were both touts at one time. Sure. We had to give out picks on ESPN. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I think you're a fucking tout. You're always like touting out your golf shit and how great you are. And then we bet on them and you're like, Oh, my fade. Sorry. My fade. My fade did really well. <laughs> Someone's a little butthurt. <laughs> Just messing with you. Um, no, I mean, I think maybe, yeah, maybe it is new. Maybe it is redefining the, the tout definition really around like, whether we fundamentally believe this person because this is the this is the thing we've talked about right like how do you give out interesting content about sports betting without being a tout or without giving out picks at some level and and we are literally going to give out picks this football season i'm sure we will we always do right 
does that make us touts? And are we, do we have like just the other day, like you actually said, like, Oh, I'm going to send these picks out. And someone was like, no, don't send them out because you're just going to lose people more money and the whole thing. And like the, the point that he was making, I think is valid that anytime you give out, give out picks, like, I mean, like it's hard to give out positive EV picks period. Right. Unless you're actually betting for the person when at the right time and you have control of their account, it's hard to give out positive EV picks. Right. Getting back to what you were talking about, about, you know, with the Craig Calcaterra and the little things making a difference, getting the right line, getting the best line is a little thing that makes a huge difference. And so huge. huge. And so if you're not, if you're not getting, if you're not getting a great line, if you're getting, you're betting something after it's already moved, um, you know, it's a lot harder to win. And then the selection bias of then betting the things that move back. Oh, that's a great point. Yeah. You know, someone and, says, you know, some tout says, oh, you're able to get 95% of my plays at the release price or something. Well, it's like, you know, that's because the 5% that are actually good, you're not able to get. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. So maybe the nuance is, hey, this is like someone that's worth at least you listening to, maybe not buying picks from versus this is someone that you should run to the hills away from. Did you see who, who our nominee was? A few people brought him out. Clay Travis. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's pretty clear that he's a tout that is not positive EV and, you know, he's a media member that unfortunately is now like a very big, media personality on sports betting because of the show lock it in i never heard of him at this time like this time last year well he has the whole he has a whole website and he's like he wrote a book that i mean generally you know that our friend sizzle on um twitter hates him like every like i think sizzle hates, uh, yeah. like he hates him and he hates jason mcintyre and he hates jeff schwartz from the action network or no longer with the action network Wait, what happened there and you, I'm not at liberty to say what happened there, but uh, he's no longer with the Action Network. Okay, so, okay. I mean, we'll have to talk off air. <laughs> I think you could probably figure out what happened there. I mean, like the, you know, you can give Tan a lot of shit for some of the decisions they made on content, but I mean, I think they were trying to figure a lot of stuff out, and I think they're trying to still figure it out now. And I think that hopefully you'll see their content improve over time as they learn like what is good and what is bad, because obviously we've been very critical of some of the content they've had up until now. So, so they, they've, they've but I think we mistake. would, we would both say that addition by subtraction getting rid of Josh Schwartz is probably addition. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I don't, at least from, from a gambling perspective and trying to educate betters for sure. Yeah. Especially when he says, like, I don't care because I only bet $10 a game. And then you're like, why am I taking betting advice from you and your minus 300 units on tan over the course of a year? And then he talks about when he's winning. He's like, ah, a great month. Heating up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think maybe – and the idea is let's try to – I mean, the, I think the other thing that people criticize us about when we talk about touts is we're just giving them more exposure and we're giving them more publicity. And there was a, 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 a person that I wanted to talk to you about and you said let's not talk about them because I don't want to give them any publicity. So there's that part of it too. So maybe that's something that we should think about 
you know, is giving these guys any kind of press, probably good press. Well, I tweeted out a picture of a truck yesterday. I don't know if you saw that. Which yeah, I saw. I saw <laughs> some guy who who his truck claimed seventy percent win rate long term. With the yeah, and you get like one slash. bed every. I want one bed every day. That's what I want. I just want one from you, Rufus. That's all I want is one bed every day. I don't care if it's a winner or not. I just want one bed every well, day. Well, for as low as twenty five dollars a day, Jeff. So you have any more? Deal. You have any more golf plays going into the, today that that I can light some more money on fire? Oh, definitely. <laughs> I'm lighting money on fire this week, I think, too. Sounds amazing. Um, yeah. You got anything else? I think this was probably a good. Well, I mean, we're, we're approaching football season. And, you know, yeah, I mean, you... our, next, our, next, uh, our next podcast, because you're going to be burning, you're going to be a burner next week. So we're not going to do one next week. Our next one will be um, the first football podcast, real football podcast. And we'll probably have to work on what we want the whole format to be and hopefully maybe at that time we'll have figured out like who we want to join up with in terms of a podcast network so if any of you guys out there want us to join any specific podcast networks for more promotion so we don't just pay for this podcast out of the goodness of our own heart um please feel free to suggest us to people or reach out to us if you want us to join your podcast network the other thing that but reach out to jeff because i will be off the grid for a week yeah the other thing that um rufus is um what, what was the other thing that we were talking about uh, i don't know it's not oh the other thing that you can do is you can just actually paypal rufus or venmo rufus and then we can just pay for our uh, production cost that way no or maybe we start a kickstarter or, or it'll pay for my burning man outfit <laughs> you know we'll pay for that an incinerator will pay for that uh, uh, uh. Uh-huh, uh-huh. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us. Um, We'll talk to you guys in a couple weeks, but as always, we're open to suggestions on guests, segments, et cetera. And, um, you know, with that, let's uh, talk to you guys all in two weeks. Bye. Bye.